On today's episode, goal setting and getting results with Jake Lowe. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Okay, if you guys haven't heard of the podcast Running with Jake, uh, we have the host on today. <laughs> I was I had the pr- privilege of being a guest on his podcast a couple of weeks ago, which had an absolute blast, and uh, really wanted to get him on to um, pick his brain around his role as a running coach and how he does things differently with his runners, and thought it'd be an excellent opportunity to talk around. Well, it was initially going to be around goal setting. But it just turned into so much more. We do discuss goal setting, but um, yeah, it just evolved into a whole bunch of more content, which uh, turned into a fantastic episode. Um, before we dive in, anything to discuss this week? Um, I know the last couple of episodes I've talked about um, how I'm going to be tackling my um, my running, and currently I can say that I'm happily pain-free and symptom-free and appreciating every day, appreciating the positives and not taking it for granted that I'm um, symptom-free. I did have some niggling sort of heel thing that was going on for maybe a week or two that I discussed on the podcast in previous episodes. Um, just so, just to let you know, I've been training smart, making sure that I'm not overdoing things and it's just resolved on its own. Um, incorporate a lot of bike riding while that heel issue was sorting itself out and carefully monitoring morning symptoms, how severe the morning symptoms were, how long it would last uh, before it returned to normal in the morning. And yeah, just uh, I know that bike riding is fine for heels. <laughs> and so implemented a lot of bike riding and a little bit of running and then just paying attention to symptoms and they just went away. So trying to make smart decisions and um, yeah, I guess it's paid off for now. We'll wait and see. <laughs> I've also uh, come off the back of the Tony Robbins seminar, which was for four days of me and my brother just dancing and yelling at the TV in our living room. Um, four days, four intense days, and yeah, just uh, just living on a high at the moment. I've tried. Well, one of my action steps coming out of that is just to really ramp up the the following and trying to really boost this podcast, is to so it becomes a, a world recognized podcast. And one of the best compliments I think I ever get from the podcast is listeners saying this is the best podcast that no one's ever heard of and I do take that as a compliment but also recognize that it's such good value that a lot of a lot more runners need to listen to it and um, take in that content so I'm going to be taking massive action Um, I'm super motivated after doing that Tony Robbins seminar and we'll see uh, how those results or what that results into anyway um, so that's it that's all all the things I need to discuss before we jump into this interview we talk about um, uh, like I said, goal setting, but also any common frustrations that runners have, what Jake does to work on it. If you love his energy, if you love his insight, you'll see straight away as soon as he starts talking, he just has a massive passion for this. And he's just like another level of energy, which is really nice to listen to. It's really nice and refreshing to hear someone that has such passion. Um, we delve into like if you were preparing for your first marathon or half marathon or something like that, what would be some good action steps to take to increase your likelihood of success and what can be some contingencies to put into place if uh, there may be mishaps or injuries or um, a lull in motivation, that kind of thing. So uh, we dive into a lot. I hope you enjoy. Uh, without further ado, here is Jake Lowe. 
Welcome, Jake, to the Run Smarter podcast. I am a big fan of your podcast and I love the, the energy that you give and the passion that you, you give to your runners. So I'm uh, absolutely excited to have you on. So uh, thanks for coming on. What an intro. I love it. Thanks so much, Brody. I'll tell you something. We've not spoken that often. Obviously, you've been a guest on, on my show and uh, it feels like we've spoken a lot more than we have. It's great. There's, it's clearly the energy you bring as well, which is why we get on so well. And I'm, I'm sure your listeners love that. Yeah, I think the um, the common interests and the the common passions like just strengthen our friendship, I guess. One hundred percent. I'm right. always up for talking running with you. <laughs> um, let's let's introduce the audience. So, can you maybe just uh, give them a brief kind of background into your coaching and um, who you are as a coach, what your strengths are, and how you're kind of different, how you approach things differently when treating runners. Yeah, sure. No, I'd love to. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm Jake Lowe from better known as Running With Jake uh, from the various social channels. And uh, fitness has been a huge part of my life for certainly professionally for the last 12 years. I kind of started as a personal trainer and uh, became a running coach. And, and the way I got into to running and everybody has their own story in terms of how they found running. I was not a lifelong runner at all, Brody, kind of at, at school. I was sort of chubby kid and not particularly great at sport. Um, but when I became a personal trainer, I was quite early in that career and, and a client of mine was a chief executive of a charity, a local charity. And we were just talking in the session and, and she said to me, oh, do you, do you fancy running the London Marathon for us, Jake? We've got some charity places. And I just thought, that sounds insane. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, bucket list, one of those tick boxes. I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. And I knew nothing about running particularly not with any sort of um, kind of background of, of education or whatever. It was just, I did a bit of running here and there and that was it, nothing major uh, and never really looked back. So that kind of threw me down that path of, of loving running, wanting to not only improve my running, but help other people get the joy from running, which it can give us. And then I, I sort of did it professionally and, and qualified as a running coach and went down that path. So that's, that's what I do predominantly now. I, I uh, don't do too much of the personal training stuff. Predominantly, I help people to, to run of, of all levels. And where this really becomes a little bit, I guess, specific for me or a little bit more unique is in 2015, I was training for the Amsterdam Marathon. And I wanted to start to use, which you'll love, a little bit more science into my training. I'm a recreational runner. You know, I'm not going to win anything. I just want to do it for my own, own goals and achievements and, and that kind of thing. And I thought, right, let's use a bit of science here. So let's, let's, let's have a blood lactate test. These tests that I've heard elite athletes talk about, elite coaches. Um, and I didn't really know much about it. And I, I investigated. And anyway, I found this place that offered this test, which basically, as I'm sure you will know, gives you a fitness profile. So it effectively tells you where you are in terms of your level of fitness. It takes out the guesswork. And from that point, it enabled me to plot my specific heart rate zones rather than using some kind of random formula offline which we we often do it really told me exactly what my heart rate zones are and i trained using those and it was far more accurate it was more enjoyable i saw the benefits and that really got me thinking i thought well hang on this is most elite athletes and professional runners will have this sort of testing why don't recreational runners? Because if somebody wants to achieve a gold medal in the Olympics, for example, as a, as a professional, as an elite athlete, well, for somebody that just wants to break 30 minutes on a Saturday morning in a park run, the emotions that that person experiences are very similar. You know, that kind of feeling good, that euphoria, that I've achieved a goal, I'm proud of myself. So I thought, why don't we try and use some science here to inform people's training? And that's where my performance community was born, which is my, my coaching service. And we underpin uh, for the majority of our runners, their training with science and it starts with the bud lactate test. So I guess that makes things a little bit different for me in terms of what I offer. That was certainly a big focus for me, bringing that science into it. And then, you know, you touched on it earlier in terms of, uh, I guess, the energy uh, and motivation. And I love that. That's who I am. And I think sometimes that's really helpful for people. I mean, you and I both know, and I'm sure your listeners, that running is hard. A lot of people say we're born to run and it's an easy thing to do. Yes, you put your trains on, you get out the door. But if you want to run it well, if you want to achieve goals, if you want to avoid injury, then there's quite a lot that goes into it. So being able to have that energy and motivation to pass that on to my runners, to help them to get out the door and tick their, their run off once they've had a difficult day or they've got other plates that they're spinning in life, I think that's really helpful. And a big thing I pride myself on is when somebody does experience a setback, which we've all experienced, 
it's how, what do we do then? What's the contingency? Where do we go with that? And what I try to do is reframe things in a positive light and give them something else to think about or work towards, shift the focus, whether that's cross-training or looking at the positives rather than the negatives of, oh my gosh, I've got runner's knee here. I don't know what to do. I've got shin splints. I didn't achieve my time. So I try to create a very positive coaching service, if that makes some sense to you. Bit of a long-winded answer that for you. <laughs> no, but I love it. And the similarities continue with us because I'm also like just recreational and started later in life as well. So there you go. Um, and wow. you're totally right. Like whether you're an elite runner or a recreational runner, you, you can't argue that they're like the recreational runners have the same level of passion. The emotions are still there. You, you try and convince them otherwise that they're not just as passionate about running as any elite runner, then um, you're going to lose that argument. I love the whole conversation of, of differences between recreational versus professional runners. And if you think about it, so we've spoken, we've touched on the fact that the emotions are very similar. You know, you excess, if, you, if you're successful, then the emotions are the same, no matter how that success manifests itself, no matter what goal that's wrapped around. But bizarrely, recreational runners almost train harder than elite runners. They almost put more pressure on themselves. And what I mean by that is a, an elite runner would not go out and attempt a personal best or a personal record or whatever you refer to it as every time they put the trainers on, every time they enter an event. But yeah, recreational runners do. We do. I did back in the early days. Every run I had to improve. I had to be faster. If I did a 5K or a 10K, it needed to be a personal best. And it's bonkers <laughs> because elite runners won't go out there and attempt that. So why do we? There's yeah. mere mortals, bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and you could say that as well, like when it accompanies with injury, the frustrations and the um, emotions, the downside and just wanting to return back to running, that same desire is at the same level of like across the board, no matter what type of runner you are. And I guess with when runners come to you, do you ever get some like common problems or common frustrations that uh, you your expertise is required in well yes for sure i mean the, the a common one that springs to mind which you'll be well aware of with your expertise is is injury um and people will come to me and say you know i just don't know what to do i'm injured i've got this problem now i'm not a physiotherapist i'm not an osteopath i'm not a chiropractor i'm not an expert in biomechanics i'm a running coach yes i'm a personal trainer i've got a background in strength training and i'm an experienced runner so i've sort of dealt with certain injuries either through my my own injuries or through my runners but it's about steering people and guiding them along that path because we know when you're injured i mean man as a runner it's just the worst thing in the world when you're running you're thinking about i want to achieve this time i want to run faster i want to find it easier i'm not as quick as my club mate or my neighbor or whatever a lot of people are focused on the metrics the numbers and the, the pace not everybody but a lot of runners but the minute you're injured you just think you know i don't care what pace i run at i just want to get out there i just want to be able to run so that is a real common problem for people as we know uh, and when people come to me I, i'm not you know a, a, a miracle healer i can't put my hands rub my hands and go there you go you, you're sorted now off you go but what i can do is say right let's look at things here and i can try and map the path forward for them and i work with uh, some experts as well in their various fields so i almost facilitate their kind of uh, injury journey if you like whether that's through putting them in contact with somebody as skilled as yourself or whether that's somebody local to me over here in the uk whatever that person needs to kind of i guess cut through the confusion really brody because i do think there's a lot of confusion with running in general, I mean, we've got Google, we just type running training and you get so much back and it's how do you kind of um, sift through that. And I think that's also the case with injury as well. So I would say that's a massive thing for, for people when they do come to me. Uh, and, and on the subject of confusion, confusion of how to train. So they have this goal, they know that that's what they want to achieve. Either they're completely new to running and they just don't really know where to start and they're being pragmatic and logical and saying, right, I need some help here because there's no harm in wanting help in life. We all need it. And then they'll come to me for that reason. But then you get another group of runners that are, are, are perhaps confused and frustrated because they've attempted certain times or distances, it may be, before, and they've not been able to achieve that, whether that's injury, whether that's it's just not happened on the day. And because there is so much information on there, out there, they need to know what's right and what's wrong. And more importantly, 
not just kind of black and white, right information, wrong information. I think it has to be very specific to the individual. So the advice that I may give you, for example, would be different from that that I would give to the next person because they're not you. So it is really important that training is, as you will know, specific to the individual's needs, both physically and mentally in terms of personality and stuff. Uh, but cutting out that confusion is a, is a big part of um, runners' initial frustrations. And of course, the other, the other massive one, which I think we, we can all relate to, I imagine there's many of your listeners that can relate to this, is, is actually taking action motivation to to do it it's really easy to sit there the turn of the new year and say right i'm going to run a marathon or i'm going to lose weight or i want to increase my energy level to be able to run around the garden with the kids but actually once you've set that goal how are you going to get those wheels in motion because it's hard and you need to start somewhere you need the push and then you've you've got to gain that traction that gives it momentum. Does, does that make some sense? Absolutely. Um, and with running, of, with, with running, of course, it's that physical element. It's physically uncomfortable. It's not just challenging kind of mentally, like a long day at work, if, as it were. It's physically uncomfortable when you're out there doing tempo sessions or interval work or hill, work or hill sessions or whatever. Of course, we do have great runs where they feel effortless and the sun's shining and the birds are tweeting. But that's not every run. So I do think that having that motivation and, and, and for runners, I think once they've identified that actually, do you know what? I'm really struggling with this to actually get this thing going, this goal of mine, this endeavor, and I'm going to need some help. And that's, that's a big frustration for people. And that's one of the reasons that I, I work with them. Yeah. You've kind of illustrated two things. You've, you've got like a runner who one is confused because they search on Google and it comes up with 10, not only just 10 answers, but like, five of those are conflicting they're they're opposing one another so that just leads to more confusion and i'm glad i'm glad you put that um on topic because that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to try and provide as much clarity as possible and so people can take action and that's the second thing that you're talking about so they're confused but they also need someone to give them action steps to to be practical to ha- Uh, have some accountability as well and the solution to that is you need a guide you need a guide who provides the clarity you need a guide who provides the steps and uh, takes on that action plan and that's where you need to find the right guide someone like you and that's like that's a, a very good, very practical, very sensible step to take through your running career. And I, I need to ask because um, it's very similar to the runners who approach me. Do you ever get runners who are injured and it's not until they've tried their best to deal deal with it on their own and they've, um, they've tried to solve their problems and then it gets to a point where an injury is so like irritated that they possibly, they can't run anymore. Like they've just been managing an injury, running on an injury for so long. And then once they can't run because of that injury, then they're like, Oh my God, I need to do something. Then they go and see someone. Are you seeing that type of person or are you seeing the ones who are sensible enough to come to you early? It's got to be the former in, in the main, which I think we can probably guess that can't we, you know, the, the, the people that, that are, I cannot run, you know, this is breaking point now for me. This is, I've reached that threshold. I mm. need help. Yeah. And that's understandable. I mean, if you want help in any area in life, not just running or coming back from injury, at what point do you reach out for help? Initially, you probably think, well, actually, I, let's, let's see if I can, I can gain the information myself that I need to actually overcome this problem I've got, whatever that problem may be. And then at some point, it becomes harder and harder. Maybe you get yourself down the, the, the rabbit hole and you have confusion, Google, whatever it might be. You speak to a million people. They're all experts. And then you think, I, I just need some help here. I, I don't know where to turn. And I think asking for help is actually quite difficult. Now, yeah. I, I'm personally, I'm somebody that's never particularly found it that difficult to ask for help because I'm of the opinion that actually people want to help. I think in general, people are warm. People want to help. It feels good to help. The old thing of there's no such thing as a selfless good deed because you want to offer advice and help. You know, it makes you feel good. So I do think in the main people want to help. And, and because I want to help others, I do find it easy to, to kind of ask for help. But I know that I feel that I'm in the, in the minority here because I sense for a lot of people it is hard. I mean, I have friends, right, who I'm a running coach. I have friends that run. They don't work with me, like officially. But it, it, 
you know, if I, we're friends, Brody. I like to call you a friend. If I've got a bit of an issue, a bit of a niggle, and I think Brody's the man for this, I wonder if he's got five minutes. I can just pick his brains, you know, just, just as a casual thing, drop you a message. I'd like to think that I could do that and, and you'd, you'd be there to support and I really believe you would. But actually for somebody to ask for that, even if it's a friend, it's really hard. I know friends that would probably benefit from my help or they'd actually like some help, but it's, I can tell it's hard for them to just ask and I can't force that upon them. They've got to sort of, they've got to show me that they want that help because otherwise it's just me blurting a load of stuff at them. And, and do you know what I mean? Being a bit too direct and perhaps almost forceful yeah. Um, so the whole health thing and asking for help, it is, it is a difficult, it is a difficult place to be. And back to the original point, once somebody reaches that, that limit, rock bottom as it were, and that's it. Um, I mean, there's a runner at the moment that I'm working with, whose name I won't mention, who's, who's a top guy, you know, he's relatively new to the performance community and I, he's, he's great. I can tell he's really up for it. He's really, he's got that frustration because he's, he's running, but it's like hanging on by thread, you know, kind of he's got a problem that actually we need to solve uh, but at least he's come to me but he didn't come to me six months ago would i have liked him to do that of course because then i may have said right you need to speak to my man brody here let's let's prevent it being a big problem but he didn't but he had to wait for him until he reached rock bottom yeah. so there's a mixed bag there but predominantly is people that are fully injured and well that's, that's the thing when they like, realize it's a problem you know? I, I think to myself like when i have a runner come to me at their bottom and i'm like oh we could have worked so well. like the results could have been so much quicker so much more effective like a couple of months ago <laughs> and then i get frustrated but when i think of my human behavior outside of running when do i get my car serviced like i'm meant to get it serviced every six months but i don't uh, my car starts making noises, but I don't really get it checked out. It's only when it breaks down when I'm like, oh, crap, I should have done that so long ago. And sa- same like when we're going to the dentist. I'm meant to get a dentist checkup every six months. I don't do that. And when I start getting tooth pain, I don't go to the dentist. I'm like, oh, I'll see how it goes for a couple of weeks. And then it gets to a point where I can't eat. Then I need to go to the dentist with an emergency because that's. it seems like it's just human nature everywhere we go. We try and run on these injuries because like, oh, we'll just see how it goes. And then it gets to a point where you can't run. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Then that motivation shoots through the roof and like, I need to get someone, I need to see someone now. Yeah, and you kind of, need, I think in a way, you know, Brody, you, you sort of need to hit rock bottom uh, because, and I sort of, I use that term loosely, but it, it because for most people, well, it took an injury here, right? So for most people, once you're injured, you, you've got to do something yourself, right? So if they, if somebody comes to see you, 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 you'll assess them, or if you do the remote, the remote assessment, and then you'll give them a list of things that they need to do that's specific to them. So they haven't got to you know, sift through all these confusions we keep talking about. They, they, they've got a plan, but they've actually got to follow that plan and they need the motivation and uh, potentially the support to, to adhere to it, to it. If they are at that level where it's, I have to take action now. This is it. I cannot tolerate where I am any longer. They're more likely, I think, to adhere to that program and that process to, to help them to come out the other side. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. If the pain isn't so great and they're thinking, well, yeah, I'll just yeah, I'll have a quick call with Brody or I'll go and see my local physio or I'll do whatever. I'll have a quick chat with Jake and um, it'll help me uh, you know, break 60 minutes for a 10K, just one phone call with him, it'll sort it. And, and then kind of the momentum goes, or they never really get the momentum because the pain isn't that great. So I think they need to, and I'm not talking physical pain necessarily here, of course, but I think it needs to be that frustrating for them to not only take action, but stick to the process from that point, you know, the, the cure, as it were, the fix. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I would, I would. It's all about like compliance, like level of compliance and that, yeah, like we'll talk about that motivation needs to be there in order for you to be compliant because if the, the desire or the need or the motivation isn't there, then you're going to see that um, when it comes to results, you're going to see that become affected. And, and it's not easy, right? I mean, we're talking now as, as uh, experts, if you like, in, in, in inverted commas, you know, as a coach and as a, as, a physiotherapist, as a physiotherapist, if I could speak this morning, but we've made our own mistakes, I have no doubt. I mean, you shared some of your running... Uh, mistakes with me when you came on our show and I've certainly made mistakes over over the years and 
you know, ran, ran my sessions too quickly, ran too far, not give myself enough recovery time to name, but a few. So it's not a case of, well, you know, you're silly for not knowing that. or so why don't you know that? Or you should be doing this. It's a learning process. We talk about this running journey and I appreciate it is quite cliche, but whether you are aware and admit that it's a running journey or you call it that or not, it is a journey that we're on and you have to kind of muddle your way through as best as possible. And your goals may change and you, you, therefore the knowledge and information you need to achieve that goal may, may, may shift and change and, and adapt. And I think that makes running very exciting. I really, really do. But it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. And sometimes you just need a bit of support. And that could be from, from an expert or it could be from your running club buddies or your friends that are perhaps more experienced than you. Help is out there. Yeah, this sets us up really nicely because I wanted to like the main bulk of the content today. I wanted to talk about goal setting and like getting results. And I've got a bit of a scenario for you. It's like, just say someone's preparing for their first marathon, but they can really like substitute any kind of distance you want, but it's like their first, um, it's like their longest distance they've ever raced. And what do we, what can we do? What can we implement in terms of goal setting, in terms of setting up a plan, what can we do to increase our likelihood of success? So I think the first thing is establishing what, what the individual wants out of it. So not necessarily whether that's possible or not. It's, it's almost like brainstorming. You know, if you're coming up with a new business, right, let's just brainstorm. Let's, let's just dump all the ideas down. Let's forget whether it's realistic or not. Let's do, what, what do you want? What's in your head? So I think getting that either down on paper or talking about it getting in somebody's uh, getting it out of somebody's head out of their mind i think is really important and some people need real help with that because you know this whole thing of why do you do something what's your why i really believe in that stuff and i really believe there is a why as to why we run or want to achieve a marathon for example but it's not always at the forefront of somebody's mind does that make sense i think sometimes it's, it's buried deep in the in their subconscious so what I'm saying by that is they might not be aware of why they want to run a marathon consciously, but there will be a reason. There will be something that is influencing them and inspiring them to do that. So kind of understanding and helping them to understand why they want to do it. And if there's a, a more specific goal attached to that, it may be just to finish it. And if they do say, yes, it's my first marathon, I just want to finish it, I'd probably say, you're lying. There's a time in your head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because there is for everybody. Uh, but, you know, if, if they just want to finish it or if they want to attach a time to it or, or whatever it might be. So establishing that. And then we go, right, that's great. Okay, how possible is this? Which event are we looking at here? Um, and the time is probably the biggest thing. Now, you, you, I'm sure, are aware of this, Brody. You know, when somebody's training for something or – if they're coming to you because they want you to solve an injury problem and it's because they've reached rock bottom because actually they can't run and they've got this event coming up, you look at when the event is, you need that time. So for some people, goals are realistic. If they say, I want to run a, a marathon, and as you say, it could be any distance, but let's say a marathon and it's my first one, is it realistic to, for me to do that, do you think? And, and we take obviously the background, the history of what they've done, and we find out where they are at present. That's really important. So that could be through the blood lactate testing that I mentioned uh, at the start of this chat, uh, which we do a lot of, or it could just be through various other profiling questions and, and scenarios and whatnot. And then we go, right, okay, so it, it probably is realistic here, but actually, is it realistic given the time frame that you've given yourself? Because you've said this race is in 16 weeks, which tends to be the classic. <laughs> you know, knock on the door at Christmas. Hi, I'm here to train for the London Marathon. <laughs> when is it? In April. Okay, what have you been doing? Well, I haven't started running yet, but I'm really up for it. So we've got to look at that time frame, I think is, is really key. Because you talk about what's going to increase the success of somebody um, achieving their first marathon. Definitely having the time to train. And to, to give themselves the time takes patience because the longer the time you have to train, the longer it is, the, the further away that goal is. And it can almost feel a bit relentless. Like you need a reward. The, the reward in somebody's mind is the marathon. But actually, if they don't have anything for like six months and all they're doing is just out there on a Sunday morning in the rain. I mean, I'm talking from the UK here. It rains a lot, Brody. I can tell you that much. People need the motivation. So I think having those mini goals on route as well is, is really important. I think it helps people to, to stay on track, especially if it's their first marathon, you know, mini, it could be a 10 K maybe working towards a mini goal of a, of a half marathon. And also a big thing I would say is, is two things really to add to that. 
is understand the magnitude of the goal. So we're talking marathons. It's 26.2 miles. It's 42 kilometers. That is a flipping long way. That is a long way. And I think marathons in some respects may have almost lost a certain sense of importance purely based on the fact that more people are doing them, which of course is a great thing. But because of that, I think it's almost like, well, it's, it's just a marathon. It's no longer what it used to be, but it's still a really long way. And especially if somebody's never ran it before. So understanding the magnitude of the goal and what's involved therefore to actually train for it. And also having the awareness that they may need to adapt because I don't think I've ever followed a, a plan, whether I've, I've pulled one off the internet in the early days, you know, a free plan that I've downloaded, whether I've created one for myself, got one from a coach. I don't think I've ever followed, or maybe once I've followed a plan to the letter. Do you know what I mean? Not missed a single session. Something gets in the way, lack of motivation, injury, social engagements, work stuff, bad weather where you don't, you can't get out and run. You, you've got to then be adaptable and be aware of that, that actually you might have a plan, but you may need to shift and change depending on the obstacle that's thrown up on route to that goal. Awesome. And so we're, we're talking about writing down your ideas, writing down your goals to start with, um, seeing if the timeframes are realistic enough and then learning to, especially when it comes to the marathon, learning to respect that it is a lot. I know, social media and everything says, Oh, I've done 40 marathons in 40 months and all that kind of stuff. And you, you sort of just like lose that respect, but definitely you need to um, give it all your, all of your focus. When you're talking about setting yourself mini goals, what might that look like for someone? What, what might be some examples? So you've got outcome goals and you've got process goals and, and a lot of people will focus on an outcome goal. I certainly have in my time where you go, right, that's the goal. That's the marathon. First time marathon. That's the one I'm raising money for a charity. It's close to my heart. That's the goal. Done. Cool. That's the outcome goal. But if you set yourself these mini process goals on route, what they do is a process goal is effectively helping you. It's a, it's a mini win. It's a mini tick box. Uh, it's an opportunity to give yourself a little bit of acknowledgement, a pat on the back, uh, something to work towards that isn't as far as far away as your main outcome goal, but actually it directly impacts your, the success of your outcome goal. Does that make sense? So it's these little things that you can achieve en route. So that might be a 5K. If you have never ran before and you want to run a marathon, you can, you can do that. Everybody has done that at some point. They were not a runner. And then if they ran a marathon, it was their first marathon. So everybody's gone from zero to uh, their first marathon, but it's over what period of time. So as long as you've given yourself enough time, if you've never ran before, the first thing you need to do is run 5K. You can't run a marathon without, of course, running 5K. So you give that, uh, as an example here, bro, you give yourself that as a, as, a, as a process goal, as a mini target to work towards. Bit of a distraction. You're not thinking so long-term, six months away. You're thinking, right, you know, in, in 10 weeks, for example, I'm going to achieve 5K. You might have 10K. You might have a half marathon. You know, they're really nice stepping stones that lead towards that marathon. Now, if we look at something else, so you could have a race that's a, uh, a mini goal towards your marathon and you may attach a time for that. But you could also look at other elements of your fitness and other components that are going to help you uh, achieve your goal of the marathon. And that might be something technical. So if you know that, for example, uh, when you run, you swing your arms from left to right. You're rotating left to right like mad. Uh, a lot of people do run like this. And what you're effectively doing is sending too much energy to the left and too much energy to the right when what you want is to create that momentum to, to just run forward. You want to be as efficient as possible. So if you know that you do that through photos you've seen of race photos, for example, then a mini goal could be for you to work on your arm swings. And you might give yourself a period of time. You may say, right, on this day, I want to improve the mechanics of my arms. I'm going to make sure I've got a nice 90 degree bend at the elbow. My shoulders are down and back. I'm relaxed. I'm using my arms for momentum and, and balance rather than out and out propulsion. I'm going to make sure I'm not swinging them from left to right. So you can get really creative with those mini goals. You've got to think a little bit outside the box. It doesn't necessarily have to be all time, uh, sorry, race and time related. I love that. That's awesome. And I'm curious to, to hear your response to this question because um, when I wrote down, I'm like, oh, can't wait to hear this one. Do you see any common personality traits or characteristics uh, if a runner comes to you and you kind of, 
have a quick scan of what, how they're behaving and common traits and things that might suggest to you that yes, they're likely to succeed or on the opposite side, they might be less likely to succeed and perhaps fall into pieces. Uh, yes, absolutely. That's a great question. I, this has probably changed for me over the years. Um, well, that's what happens when judgment. you get more people and more data. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly that. And I guess as well, starting from personal training, really, bro, because you, you, you're going to see some, a lot of similar stuff. Um, when people want to, to run, often they're using running as a vehicle to achieve other things. Um, you know, success, acknowledgement of themselves, feeling proud of themselves, lose weight, increase energy, all those things. Uh, but as a personal trainer, I'd, I'd have some running related goals, but there was a lot of other stuff that people wanted to, to achieve as well. And you, you de- you'd, you'd see these different personality types. Now, if I had somebody that was very driven and very up for it, now initially I'd be thinking, this is great. This person, you know, they're up for it, they're ready for it, they're really keen. Whereas now things have shifted a little, little bit for me. The more people like that I deal with and work with, as you say, more data to work with. And it's almost like I go, mm, there's a mini alarm bell here. Are we going to fall off the cliff at some point? This is the energy so high and they're so up for it and they want to consume so much information like a sponge. Is that going to stand the test of time? Now, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. So if, if uh, enthusiasm is great, but if they're kind of over enthusiastic, I am a little cautious, a little cautious, um, rather than almost giving them what they want and throwing everything at them, knowledge and training sessions and the lot. I, I sort of, I, I always try, you asked me earlier about what, what I bring as a, as a coach, really, kind of what, what differences in coaching. And I guess for me, I've always been somebody that tries to give people what they want wrapped in what I believe they need. So they'll come to me and they'll want specific stuff. Somebody, a type A personality, really driven. Yeah, I want these sessions and creative and I want to do all this and hill, hill reps and I want to work really hard. And I'm thinking, hmm, well, I'm not sure about this based on my experience of working with people like yourself or similar personality type. And also based on how much you've ran, I'm not sure your body might tolerate that. I tell you what, let's just turn down the heat a little bit, start a bit slower and let's see how you respond, both physically and mentally. Because actually to, to turn the heat up is quite easy. That's the easy bit. But actually, if we turn the heat up too much with this intensity that we're giving them and the sessions and the break, then it's a lot hard to recover, a lot harder to recover from that. So I try to sort of give them a little bit of what they want, um, but I wrap it in in what they need. So that personality type, that driven individual, I am a little cautious with um, because the other thing is, are they going to work too hard? You know, some people I have to some people need a little bit of, of a boot in the backside to get out the door. And I'm, I'm saying that. You know, it would be in a very gentle way. It's arm around the shoulder. They need the encouragement and the motivation to put the trainers on. They need me to remind them why they're doing this and what the health benefits are. Other people, they need, it's like pulling the reins in, you know, holding them back because they just want to go, go, go. And they do a race and they want to do another race and next weekend and, and they kind of overtrain and over race. And that's where that stress level, which you know all about, uh, becomes too great and they risk injury fatigue they just get frustrated with it or worse still injury so personality typing is a very important part of uh, what i look for um and what more importantly not so much what i look for but what i have to be very much aware of yeah and build a strategy around that perhaps like you said turn down the heat or give them a little arm around the shoulder and kind of get them out the door. And it's a, it's a good question. You answered it absolutely perfectly. And it's not to kind of, it's designed not to make fun of someone. It's designed for like a bit of maybe self-reflection. Maybe if someone's, I, they're having this pattern in their training schedule that keeps happening and they're not too sure why. And as we know, most of running injuries that are out there are due to overuse injuries. And when you're looking at this kind of driven personality, you're looking at, okay, perhaps there's an increased risk of injury because they're going to do things a little bit further, a little bit faster, maybe just a couple more heel repeats than is prescribed. But then there's also the response once they are injured, if they do result in some sort of symptoms, what their response to that is. And that's definitely reflective of certain personality types and whether they continue to run, whether they think pain is okay and continue to run on that injury, whether they try and return back too soon for too much and um, not following like correct guidelines because they just want to run. They just want to get, they just want to get results. They want to perform. And that's where it really uh, like, that's where it really starts to fall apart. And so it's, 
it's it's kind of like what I said, the, the self-reflection can be a really crucial tool and uh, perhaps you've identified this pattern in the past that you can maybe tweak. Okay, maybe I overdid it here. Maybe if I recognize the same pattern in the future and have certain strategies put into place to make sure we minimize that, um, then that could be a good thing. It could be a good thing for results. It could be a good thing for your overall performance when you train for that marathon. And you did mention something really interesting when you said it's not just physically, but it's also mentally. And it's giving someone a certain dosage, giving them a program and seeing how they respond physically, whether they get sore, whether they're in this really nice sweet spot and seeing how they respond mentally, which was um, a really nice thing that I thought we would touch on and, um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, your answer was perfect. I, I loved it. When you are building a program, practically speaking, let's just talk generically. Like, do you follow a certain, um, protocol? Do you have certain elements that you want to consider? Let's just say we're talking about our marathon, um, scenario. Do you have like a build up phase? Do you have a recovery phase? Do you have like a, um, a plateau phase? What, what sort of things are you considering? There's quite a lot of elements of, of training that I will consider. So, yeah, all of those things are building up. Do they have a solid foundation of fitness? Uh, and what does that mean? What does a solid foundation of fitness mean? Does that mean they just ran a bit? Uh, have they done any balance work or coordination? Have they done any strength work, any muscular endurance stuff? Now, I know that might sound quite confusing and overwhelming, rather, for, for perhaps some of your listeners that uh, maybe a little newer to running and it doesn't have to be overly confusing and complicated, but it's about being clever and making sure that the plan is holistic. So the training approach is holistic. Now, when somebody wants to, has a running goal, what do they believe they need to do to achieve that goal? And what do they want to do? They want to run, right? That's what the goal is. But actually we know that there's other components that's really important to consider. So I always try to, bring that into what the individual does and encourage it and also make sure that they they adhere to it and it's a little bit you know what a good thing about coaching is the accountability and coaching in all senses because it's that big brother's watching you know I, I know what you should be doing did you do it let's have a little look you know so it's that kind of stuff that i think is really powerful but i always look at what time have you got because it, it's ace to work with full-time runners that don't have a job and they can just run and just do what I ask them to do. That's not real life. These are recreational runners that have lives and other things going on. So time is precious. So I look at what time they've got to devote to running and, and I ask them that running. And then I think, right, okay, that's what time you've got to train. How can I chop that up? How much of that time do I ask you to devote to running and how much time do I ask you to devote to the other things? Because if I say to you, right, how much can you run? And I say, right, how much time have you got for other stuff? Well, I can't. And so the problem is doing strength work is just, I can't do an hour in the gym. And, you know, it's all these kind of excuses and reasons. Whereas what I do is just say, right, let's help you chop up that time. So that's really important, making sure it's specific to the individual's lifestyle and people are individual. I would love to create a system as I'm sure you would. It would make life a lot easier. Somebody comes to you and they're injured and you give them this set of exercises and this time frame to be fixed. It doesn't work like that. People are very different. We spoke about personalities. Physically, people are different. People respond differently to different things. So we need to be really aware of that. So the things that I will look at is time and I will look at Obviously, where they are at the moment, that's really important. Their injury history. If somebody has a particular calf issue, that they, or Achilles issue, they need to be really careful of. Well, I don't want to be throwing a lot of hill work into their program. Now, there's benefits to hill running, but actually there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So we can look at another alternative that is going to give them the same or similar benefits without putting their body at risk of, of further injury. And accessibility is something I will take into account, Brody. So where somebody lives. Now I coach remotely and I have people, uh, people in Mexico, people in Canada, people, most of my runners are in the UK and I work with people everywhere. I, I don't know where they all live. I can't know exactly. And not everybody lives in a place where they have access to specific hills or off-road terrain or whatever it might be. So I try to build a bit of an understanding over time. It can't happen overnight as to what they have access to and what is realistic. You know, it's not realistic for me to give somebody that lives in a very flat area uh, a two-hour car journey that they've got to do on a Sunday morning to get somewhere to run hills for an hour. So I do factor those kinds of things into it as well, which is sort of the practical elements, really. Yeah, and like I said, it's going to 
what applies to their everyday life. And it's similar what we talked about at the start when we're setting our goals to in the first place. It's okay. Is it realistic? Do we have a realistic time frame? If they're working full time and uh, working out how much actual hours they can commit to a full program, that's when we can start to factor in. Okay, is it actually realistic? If you've got kids, if you've got like if you're working two jobs or something like that, and you've only got an hour or something to devote to time, okay, that needs to be done. You know, other day to day things. How much can we commit to running and then? reverse engineer that okay then we build out a time frame and build out um, a program to see if it actually is realistic so i'm glad you're considering the holistic side the, the person and all the other elements that come along with that person rather than just assigning a program it, um, i find that really effective and i guess that's where the results come into it as well and you mentioned the accessibility as well perhaps like the terrain perhaps what the climate's like in that area and um, assigning that accordingly, which is awesome. How about like, if you're getting, can I just a... pick up on something? Can I just add something? Of course, there, go is for that it. Right? Of course. The other thing, the other thing on that is testing. So your listeners that have got some lofty goals in their minds that they want to work towards. I know it's a funny time at the moment and it's really good. We're kind of talking about this stuff and goal setting and almost, almost hitting the reset button. Right. What can I do to improve the way I run and where do I want to go? Why do I want to do it? Because there aren't many races at the moment. Things are being pushed back and back and we don't know what we're doing. So it's good to have used this time now as an opportunity to really establish some, some clear uh, and exciting goals. But I think with, um, when you're working towards something, you, and view everything as a test so when i you ask about what 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 do i implement in a running program well first of all i have to get to know the individual because that takes time doesn't it to build a relationship with anybody in any area of life so it does take time to get to know somebody and yes there are recovery uh, uh weeks that i will build in recovery days there's the build-up phase that we spoke about. There's things like frequency. You know, how often is that individual going to run? Not only how frequently, but can they run on consecutive days? For one person, it might be okay for, they, for them to run three days back to back. Uh, three days back to back, sorry. For the next person, it won't. They can't kind of tolerate more than two days, either because they're managing an injury or they just get really sore or they just feel burnt out. So you, the only way to really know is to test. We can talk all day long with a runner one-to-one on zoom we can do a face-to-face but actually until we get out there and test the stuff we don't know so it's about testing various things elements components and but testing safely because again it goes back to turning that heat up if you test too aggressively right go and run every day next week and tell me how it feels they're probably going to result in injury so you've got to test safely and then you've got that feedback that data and you can do this yourself you don't have to work with a coach obviously it's helpful but you don't have to and then you can think to yourself right okay that how did that feel how do i feel what could i have done differently how can i improve moving forward so view everything as a test but test safely that's one thing i would add to that yeah awesome and we did mention the um scenarios of maybe injury perhaps like a certain amount of pitfalls loss of motivation that kind of thing do you, can you suggest any like contingencies we can put into place if someone has a mishap, if someone falls off their program for a week or two, if someone does sustain an injury, um, how are you working with your runners um, when these sort of things arise? So I think the first thing to do when you are involved in running is not put all your eggs in one basket. Don't focus purely on running, have something else, to go to now that that's something else might not be something that you actively and regularly engage in so for example you might quite like swimming or you might be open to swimming but actually when you're in a running program and you're really focused and you're feeling good swimming might not be something you want to do and you're focused on running but if the worst happens and you get injured or if you are aware that actually there's a bit of a niggle this could become a full-blown injury i need to back off a bit rather than feeling frustrated because you're not running as much or running at all you've got somewhere else to go there's something else that you can turn your attention to and i tell you something brody this isn't just physically now of course that helps because something like swimming or jumping on a bike cross training doing something other than your your chosen sport which in this case is running is really helpful physically to maintain some fitness but mentally man that helps and if you've just got something else a hobby an interest 
a distraction. We know a lot of people run because it gives them downtime. It gives them downtime from work and, and all the other stresses of life. And if that's something that is your medicine almost, your go-to is taken away from you for whatever reason, then what are you going to do then? Where do you go? And it could be a slippery slope and it could really impact your, your mental health and not in a good way here. So I think having something else to, to go to is really important. And I tr certainly try to encourage that with, with my runners. So I've got certain things, you know, I know what they're interested in, their interests, their hobbies inside and outside of running. But if physically they still want to train and they're able to, then we have cross training programs that I can get them involved in. I do live workouts. We've got a closed Facebook group where I do live uh, workouts called bulletproof workouts with my guys every week which is awesome and they're a mixed bag of it might be whole body it might be core it's for all levels obviously i work with different levels of ability but we can scale the exercises um you know to regress them make the moves easier and make them harder so they've got other things that they can focus on uh, and of course i would i'm happy to pass people on to other experts i want to people that uh, have an expertise that i don't have like yourself can you help this individual so that's that's how I manage, I guess, contingencies or the contingencies I put in place if someone does have a, like you say, an injury or they just fall off the wagon in terms of motivation. Yeah, I could not agree more. And I did have an episode back in season one. It's like the power of cross training and vascularization, pretty much just talking about blood flow, the power of blood flow. If you do have an injury and uh, you want to still continue doing something, if you swim, if you bike ride, if you use a cross trainer, provide depending on the type of injury, each one of those could be really beneficial for you to not um, like further damage that injury. But you're getting your heart pumping, you're getting the blood circulating, and that's where the real healing comes. And if you stay proactive and you ha you keep busy, um, like I said, physically and mentally, that's that's crucial because when people go people go crazy or the runners go crazy when they're injured because they think they have to sit on the couch for a couple of days. That's when they go crazy. And that's when they sort of leap back into running perhaps too early. If they're following, uh, if they're not listening to their body or they're um, not following the right guidance. And if you do have a bike and bike is okay for that injury and you're doing that, you know, every other day, then you're still mentally staying entertained. You're still mentally feeling a lot better. You're getting the exercise. You know, you're not losing fitness because you're just being proactive and you're still getting that cardiovascular engagement. And yeah, it's just, you're back to running a lot sooner. The injury recovers a lot sooner. Mentally, you're feeling better. So that's just a really nice tip for someone to implement and for someone to have up their sleeve if an injury does occur or if these mishaps do happen. Perfect, perfect. Man, Anything you need to add? I mean, the, the whole podcast could be on injury contingencies. I'm injured. What do I do? Where do I go? Help Absolutely. Me. But you're dead right. And, and just go for a walk. Man, just go for a walk. Never underestimate the power of getting out there in nature, clearing the head, the sights, the sounds, the feel of the leaves under, under, underfoot. Just, you know, get some space because actually when you if somebody's listening to this now and you, you're injured uh, and i really believe this you know and you're worried about going backwards you're worried about losing fitness maybe you haven't got access to a pool or a bike or maybe you have an injury where you're not able to do that i broke my ankle earlier in the year i was very limited to what i could do so i'd get out there and i'd just have a walk and i'd, I'd start to think about my comeback and i'd start to plan okay what can i do i can't do anything physically that moment but i can plan my comeback and get excited about that let's get the plan in place but make no mistake about it i really believe this it's a lot easier to regain your fitness than it is to find it in the first place because mentally you know you've been there you know what it takes your body knows what it feels like it's not such a shock whereas if you're at the very beginning of an exercise program and you've got this goal that seems like a huge goal it seems unattainable and wow run a marathon run a 5k i can't imagine running for 30 minutes but once you've been there it's a lot easier to get back there so i would take some comfort in that if there is any of your listeners certainly uh, listening to this brody that are suffering injury at the moment uh, not to be um to be too hard on themselves and uh, realize that they they will regain that fitness yeah and as we're just wrapping up today are there any other common mistakes that you see runners make like the runners who come to you or the runners who are sticking with your plan are there any mistakes that they make where they might fall off um off their plan or preparation 
I think uh, I'll just throw some thoughts your way. So trying to play catch up is a big one. If you mm -hmm. miss sessions, the sessions, we do get, they do get missed. That happens. <laughs> Problems crop up in life. But trying to shove the session into next week. Oh, I'll do that run tomorrow. I'll do it next week. It, it can lead to problems. So I would certainly say don't try and play catch up. Let things go. Make adjustments to your training plan. So make adjustments to what you're doing later in the week or the following week based on the setbacks that you may have had. Try not to do too much too soon. That's really hard because as you start to make progress in anything in life, you feel good. So guess what? You want more of that emotion. You, you think, well, if I, if I do a bit more of this, I'm, I'm going to feel even better. I'm going to get even fitter. But that can obviously lead to injury. And we know the repetitive nature of injury, the impact the force is going through the body. So not doing too much too soon. And the other big thing that leaps to mind for me, Brody, is not running at a single effort level. So really vary the effort levels that you run at. And yes, we can get really complicated. I'm sure we don't have time for that today in terms of the benefits that you get from running at different intensities. But just know that running at different intensities brings with it different benefits. And if you spread your efforts, your, your runs across a mix of paces and, and efforts, you get a mix of benefits. And then on the day of your race, your goal, your event, if you've trained well, all those benefits come together to enable you to execute. So getting stuck out of that single gear, imagine a car driving to work. Your car wouldn't be very happy if you jumped in it, put it in fifth gear and drove straight to work. You've got to go through all those gears and your car is much happier. And the body is the same. Go through the gears in the body. Don't just get stuck in third gear because you minimize the benefits uh, that you would get if you kind of broadened your speeds. I love it. Avoid trying to play catch up, trying to make those sensible adjustments, not doing too much too soon and trying to have some variety in your intensities throughout your, your plan. I love that. And is there anything else that we haven't discussed today? I know we've covered a lot, but has there any other takeaways, any other messages, any other mantras that you like your runners to know or you like to share? I think just stay patient is a really, really important message at the moment. And I think many of us know that, but it, I also think it pays to hear that once in a while. It is a funny time that we're all experiencing. I don't know when you're going to play this podcast out, but I imagine the world won't have changed much by then, Brody, when you do I hope play so. this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we all do. Fingers <laughs> but, you know, we are living in a funny time and it is really important to be patient and uh, patient. And it's a good skill to learn and hone and apply to your training because when life does return to normal and we can get out there and do lots of races and things, you still need that patience to achieve uh, lofty goals, big goals. So I think trusting the process, staying patient and uh, it will come. Yeah. And I'll add on to that as well. Just reiterating what we said earlier, just be kind to yourself in a lot of these scenarios, a lot of these circumstances, if you are injured, um, a lot of those type A personalities and a lot of the runners, they just beat themselves up and celebrate the small wins, celebrate those mini goals that you said. And like, if an injury does happen, just be kind to yourself. It's not the end of the world and be in that positive mindset because that positive mindset will um, affect how quickly you recover, how fast you bounce back. So um that's a practice in itself, just being kind to yourself and appreciating gratitude, that kind of thing. So um, ties in really nicely. Jake, this has been awesome. Um, it's, it's so easy for me to interview someone like you because I just ask a question, then you run with it with such passion and such insight. And <laughs> it, 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 it applies to like all these runners because whether or not they've written it down or not, all runners do have some sort of goal. If it is to maintain your current level of fitness, that's still a goal in itself. And um, that's why this topic is so key and why I want to get you on to have a chat about this. It's, it's amazing. Um, and yeah, it's been really, really insightful. So I think people need to go to the running with Jake podcast and they can, um, have a listen to that. And I think across all the platforms across Instagram, Facebook, it's just running with Jake anywhere else people can go. Um, if they want to learn more about you. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Brody. If, if people are looking for a bit of motivation, inspiration, and some, some education as well with regards to running, then yeah, absolutely. It's, it's Running With Jake, the podcast we call it, because every runner needs the occasional plod. Uh, but if you just search Running With Jake on any of your um, podcast mobile apps, you'll find it. And then, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. So just search Running With Jake. You, you'll be able to find me there. And if, if anybody wants to hook up on Strava and see the kind of sessions that I get involved in myself, uh, I'd love to see what you're up to then. Again, it's, it's running with Jake on Strava. Well done. Makes my job easy if you've got the same handle for everything. Jake, thanks once again for coming on. <laughs> Pleasure.
Great to talk to you, Brody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Run Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content has on your future running. If you appreciate the mission this podcast is creating, it would mean a lot to me if you submit a rating and review. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and get instant notifications when a new episode comes out. If you want to learn quicker, then join our Facebook group by searching the podcast title. If you want to take your learning to the next step, including injury prevention principles, injury-specific insights, and modules to boost your running performance, then head to our website by searching runsmarter.online and jump into our Run Smarter Online course. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.